Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Carmen Rita Wong is the author of Why Didn't You Tell Me? A memoir. She has a 20 plus year career in media and many years of nonprofit work. Carmen was vice chair of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America and nominating chair of The Moth. She co-created and hosted her own TV news show, was on air and on staff at three TV networks, and was a magazine editor, then advice columnist for four national magazines. Now she heads up her own production company with a focus on women-led content, and she created and hosted a podcast featuring some incredible women. She has written two novels in a series and two advice books featuring some incredible women. I love your beautiful bookshelf back there. That's awesome. And yours too. Thank you. Gorgeous. Thank oh my you. gosh, you're so much so much neater than mine. Oh, <laughs> please. No, you should see you should see what's going on right over there. I and I was literally like in tears this morning. I was like there's so many books. Like so I just stacked them all up on the window and I'm like I can't even I don't know. This 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 is me. I have to like book sort every once in a while because it's just like I mean piles like everywhere. I know. It's so bad. But, um, but you like this is your life. So, I mean I know. I know. But this is what you do. So you must just get bombarded. I do. Mostly with books I want to be bombarded by. Yeah. The sheer volume. I'm like, I can't get every book that looks like remotely good anymore. This is like not even... I know. Anyway, whatever. But yeah. Anyway, this is a, by the way, this is a whole, you know, this, this is a whole 
Japanese, there's a word for this. It's like, it's very normal to collect, to be surrounded by books that you're not, that you can't read. You don't have time to read. There's no way you can read them. But the the want and the the whole idea of collecting books and surrounding yourself with them, it's like a whole practice. So this made me feel better when I found out about this. I was like, okay, because I haven't read half of them, but I want them. <laughs> yeah. I want to be surrounded by them. You know? Wait, tell me why this is okay. This like compulsion to collect books and why, how is it good? Tell me. Well, I listen, for me, I know that it's always been since I was that little kid who like the library was my church, like my yep. escape from everything, like that comfort of being surrounded. And my daughter, unfortunately, the same way, like wherever we go, we travel. She has to take, she may read one, but she has to take a whole pile of books with her. It's like, she calls it her comfort bag. Oh, And it's like, and I, you know, kind of the same, but anyway, so it, in Japanese culture, it is considered just another form of kind of say art collecting because these are pieces of people. It's this is so true, yes. art to me. This is like, these are people and souls and and work and all these things. So I just love being surrounded by them. I that that could have come out of my mouth, but I'm glad it came out of yours. <laughs> we share something. We share. Yeah, yes, exactly. yes. I know. At some point, I was like really getting all meta about all the books, and I'm like, when I close my door, you know, just like Toy Story, how like every all the toys come alive, you know, like that yeah. all these characters would just like dance around and meet each other, and I'm like, what if you don't know? Like, what if life is weird and just like touching the books and start looking at yeah. just yeah. yeah and popping in i like to just like pull one out and just pop in and like read a couple pages put it back yeah i find it very calming yes same. by books if i'm same. anytime i'm surrounded but it's, it's very nice same system. including your same. book oh thank which, you. Uh, i left next to my bed which is where i've been devouring it <laughs> so thank you yes there you, you go. know i always i have yeah and there's like I a know. whole pause. you can see them right here Boop. oh yeah i sure can Amazing. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your book. Thank you. All right. Tell listeners now that we're BFFs here. No, I'm kidding. But tell listeners about (laughs) your whole story and and how it became a book. And thank you for sharing all of it. I feel like I know you so well. Oh my gosh. I'm reading it. So (laughs) thank you so much for having me. And I love, love, love sharing with people who share like just a love of books. So it's not just an interview. It's an interview with somebody simpatico, which I love. Look, I was that kid who, you know, had a difficult, uh, lonely life. So the library was really my sanctuary, my absolute sanctuary. It was my sanity, getting lost in these stories. But even when I was a little kid, I noticed sitting amongst those stacks and looking up, having finished one, it's, it's kind of one of those flashbulb memories, like having finished one and I close it and that satisfaction, but then looking up, what's next, what's next? And noticing that the books were not written by women or by anybody who looked like me and my background, of course, being Dominican and Chinese. So it was like, it's black, it's Asian, it's all these other colors and just women, like we just weren't there. And I just remember being a kid and being like, I'm not there. And wanting and saying to myself one day, one day I'll change that. I hope it changes. And Mm -hmm. I hope I want to see more of that because, you know, we're worthy of that too. So that's part, you know, that was the first seed decades and decades later. I finally got to it. But this story really is about, it's a mother-daughter story. It's a very American story. And it's American stories that that in the past hadn't gotten told a lot, right? Which is Mm -hmm. being that child of immigrants, right? And what that all comes with, the, the kind of heaviness, there's a feeling of, being the vessel of all your parents' hopes and dreams, Mm -hmm. but also their lives being so difficult, particularly 
mothers, um, immigrant mothers, that they're not able to live their truth mm-hmm. and they're not able to live in truth. Mm. And when that involves who you are as a human being, meaning where you actually come from, it's a big problem. So I had to discover the secrets that my mother kept about who my father was, which unraveled over decades. I mean, I found out right before she died and she told another story. I thought another man was my father and she took the truth to her grave. And when this book was in edits, no, I found him. Yeah. What? Now he had, he had passed, but it's one of those things where during the pandemic, I had hired genealogists. I, you know, I, I did all of that. And between 23 Me, Answer Show, that we still could, no records. And this actually was quite common in people from the Caribbean, that there were no records even, or no people taking the genetic tests. But then there I was in edits, one summer day, the book was was coming to fruition because the story isn't about solving that mystery of who my father is. The story is solving the mystery of my mother. Mm -hmm. Why and how could she keep something so important from me and from everyone? And that's what I did in the story. And I wrote it as kind of a mystery thriller, page turner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's what my life has been like. It's been like that. And also, you know, why do we read people's stories? I find people's stories from what someone might find to be the most mundane. I find so much excitement and just emotion and reality in everyone's story. And I want people to feel that. Totally. Well, you did a good job. Thank you. And I was trying to analyze as I was reading it, what is she doing here that's like making it? Because I could not stop reading it. <laughs> chocolate. It's filled with chocolate. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, your first two pages were like, boom, listen to what secret's coming out. Like those were, mm-hmm. that was like an amazing introduction. Thank you. And then we slowly got to know your mom and you and your background and your brother and all the stuff. And we're like more and more invested in you and your family as the whole memoir goes on and on. Just wanting to know like, well, what is she talking about with the picture? And like, what does she mean? And then you would just like drop these little little things every so often to like keep you going. You're like, wait, what? What's going on now? I don't know. It was so um, it was so great. You just didn't want to stop until you had the full story. And you're funny too in the way you write it. You know, it's like very boy, you know, very it's funny. It's like it's the heartbreak and all of it, you know, of of like coming to terms with who we are and our families and all of that. But also like, I don't know, I feel like you poke fun at everything and yeah, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a ride when you, yeah, it's a ride. Um, but when you come from difficulty, I mean, look, there's that thing about, you know, most comedians are quite depressed. I mean, that's, that's partially true. It's like there's humor saved me in many ways. And it was the way that I could make my mother less angry. Yeah. And less sad and engage more. And so, you know, that kind of, you know, family clown situation and taking care of my little sisters and, and, and just managing everything. And you find that the one thing that unites us as people is you just make somebody laugh, mm-hmm. right? But the poignancy of the why, I'm sure kind of comes through there as well. So I didn't realize, usually in a book that has pictures in the middle, I realized that early, but I didn't until I got to that section. And then I was like, oh my gosh, there are pictures? <laughs> yeah. 
So, ah. I know. so then I was particularly struck by the one where you're like, see, my mom is looking into the camera, not at me. Look at me desperately clinging to my mom's neck to get her attention. And look at her looking at my stepdad. I think it was Marty that she was mm-hmm. looking at in the picture. And it was sort of, it was just sort of like a heartbreaking thing, it, you know, because every little kid, you know, you're just like calling out for attention. And then, I don't know, I felt like if I was a therapist, it would be like, go back to, you know, how can we reparent that little girl, you know, who was- Oh my dear, I've been in therapy for 15 (laughs) years. (laughs) 50, that that helped me really write the book. Because the thing is, is that that kid- that girl looking, I, I had, you know, I hadn't seen that picture when I had to dig up pictures for the book. And I went back a lot of these, I hadn't seen, you know, in decades. And I look at that picture and I know that girl now and I see her and, oh my God, she's always wanted the love of her mother, the love of a parent period. And, you know, that wasn't the case, but that is part of what gets me to understand, you know, who she is and why she was like that. And also myself, but without the therapy, let me tell you, this book would not have happened because it was so important to not be angry and to not have villains or to, to paint my parents as villains for, for all these secrets and all these lies instead to see her as a full human being. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I hope, and I've heard from, from readers who I just love getting these notes where they're just like, I was so angry at my parents. I was so hurt. I was so, and, and parents, I mean, come on, we're human beings. We do a lot of things. And um, they said, you help me to see her as a person, mm. as a full person, separate from being a parent. Cause we are many more things than that. And we take our full histories into everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's forgiveness. I wouldn't say I don't necessarily forgive. And that's only because I think forgiveness requires the steps of apology and change in behavior. And Mm. none of my parents have done that. So, however, the understanding that I have of them has brought me so much peace. And it's one of those things I just wish for everybody. Wow. That's nice. I mean, uh, you know, it's nice to feel like you can get that look. I mean, I don't know that I could fully see my mom as a person (laughs) except for me. I mean, that takes work. You have to like be very intentional about doing work like that. Yes, it it was very intentional. And my intention was fueled by being a mother myself. Okay. And finding myself a solo parent by the time my daughter was four and not wanting to, seeing myself kind of recreating things and desperately not wanting to parent my daughter in the same way. Mm-hmm. And to really end that, I know this people use these words a lot these days, but generational trauma is real. Mm-hmm. And to, 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 I made a commitment to not give that to her, to not mm-hmm. hand it down anymore. I wanted to create new rituals and new feelings yeah. and new everything and really raise her in a different way. So she wasn't that little girl in the picture looking up at mommy and saying, you know, love me, like me, love me, you know, that sort of thing. And so I work on that. It's taken years of work. Yeah, for sure. Well, time well spent. Great book. No, I'm kidding. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying. But, but the, yes, the book was a a joy. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Well, another piece of the book that I really enjoyed was you know, your, your struggle to fit in and figure out who you were, like your identity, especially in the teenagers. And I wonder how you're going to approaching this with your own daughter, but just like wanting to dress a certain way or wanting to look a certain way. And, you know, the scene with your mom when she came down with the Afro mm. and you were, you in meanwhile were like, you know, doing whatever with mousse with your own hair to like get yourself to assimilate essentially. Right. And then in she walks with this like red giant Afro, which was also so sad when she had to cover it up and come back downstairs. And like that also kind of broke my heart for her. But then you being like, oh no, no, D- like different is not good. Like different is not That was the message. That was the message. So what happened was, is that we, my brother and I were born in in Harlem, Mm -hmm. right? Dominican family on my mother's side, Chinese father. And then when my mother divorced my Chinese father, uh, she remarried Anglo-American guy who moved us to New Hampshire. And New Hampshire in the late 70s was not welcoming of us because of course we're not white folks, (laughs) especially my mother. So she got the message early on. I mean, she tried to kind of rebel. She saw Rita Moreno on Sesame Street with this gorgeous, like, auburn afro. And she was like, mira eso, I want to be like that, you know? And so she did it, and my stepfather was not having it. And so she had to cover her hair. Natural hair was not right. So I did a lot of things that, you know, I, I we can all say in retrospect, but boy, I wish I could have, you know, been braver. I did break out in the sense that, I had my hair in different styles every day. By the time I was like a senior in high school, I was like, look, everyone already thinks I'm other. 
let me be a little funky, you know? Mm-hmm. So I started wearing my hair natural and curly and Janet Jackson-y and all that stuff. <laughs> but even in my professional life, you know, the second I got my TV show was straighten your hair, cut your hair, don't wear hoops, you know, no red lipstick, but like everything was too ethnic, too funky, too this, too that. So that had been something that had been taught to me from the second we moved to New Hampshire. It was being confronted with the idea that I cannot be full American, first of all. And second of all, you know, the way I and my people back in Harlem, my, my family dress and talk and act is all wrong. So I assimilated to survive very much so. And I'll tell this to folks like losing my family and my culture and everything when we moved is a a schism in my soul that Mm -hmm. it will, it will never be fixed because you can't go back. You can't go back. So it is very important to try to, when you're raising, you know, your kids in whatever environment, just make sure that they know that they are fabulous and wonderful, however they choose to express themselves. Do you feel with your daughter, you're immersing her more in culture? Like, how are you doing that? How are you writing oh, that wrong? Well, unfortunately, most of my family has passed, but, you know, she she's taken Mandarin forever. So she was able to speak with her grandfather, her Kung Kung, until he passed away in June. You know, my mother's family's mostly gone, but we've traveled a lot. My friends are a group of wonderful Black and Latina women who, Tias and Titis, who just embrace her fully. She actually, because her father was German descent, she's she's white presenting, mm-hmm. appearing, mm-hmm. but she's very much a Latina. And uh, she's very excited that Anya Taylor-Joy is out there because she's <laughs> Latina and she's like blonde and pale and she's like, yeah, I'm Latina like her. <laughs> she's she's very much aware of all of those dynamics. Mm-hmm. But also too, you know, we're both queer women, girls, women, girls, and she's 16 now and she's had a girlfriend for a year. So all of her identities, all the parts who she is that I couldn't express, mm-hmm. I'm making sure to respect that in her and to encourage her very much to be, you know, who she really wants to be. And she even shaved the side of her head when she was 10. Oh, wow. It was so cute though. Of course, now she looks back on it and she's like, what? That was so weird. I was like, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're a much cooler mom than me. I have two 15 year olds, almost 16. And then I have an eight and a nine year old. And, uh, you know, they're like, I guess I let my 15 year old daughter like dye her hair during the pandemic. Cause like, who cares, yeah. you know, yeah. but, but even still now my nine-year-old is like, I want purple hair. And like, I, you know, I've got to get pink and purples in my hair. And I'm like, I don't think so, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. if I were cooler, I'd be like, why not? No, it's just like, my thing is like, look, let them rebel this way. Like I, you know, and I think of course it's me because I wasn't allowed. Right. So right. <laughs> trust me when I tell you that I rebelled later. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there was a lot unsaid about your first year at college. You were like, and then I went to college and uh-huh. boy, did I have fun. And you, and at one point you're like, and I had lots of boyfriends because of that first year of college. And I'm like, what happened in her first year of college? <laughs> oh, I was a hot mess. I was a hot <laughs> mess. I was, I was such a hot mess that I was drinking and hooking up with the soccer team and blah, blah. <laughs> and I ended up, it was kind of like I equated to to just an absolute beast being let out of a cage mm-hmm. because the amount of control that was exerted on me through my childhood in high school at home and the responsibility, I had to get straight A's or death. That's typical Latin thing. And I had, had my little sisters and I had a job. I was pulling 12 hour days on the weekends. 
I was working after school and had to get straight A's. So by the time I went to school and all I had to do, literally all I had to do was go to class. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went absolutely nuts. And I spent the next three years making up (laughs) almost feeling that first year of college. Cause my parents, I came back and they got the grades and they were just like, listen, if this is the way it's going to be, money is better spent elsewhere. And I was like, oh, hell no. Cause it was, it was an escape. Yeah. So I, I put my head down and I paid attention. I mean, I still, I still acted out once in a while, but you know, have fun with your life, ladies. No judgment, no judgment. <laughs> Wait, tell me about going into TV and all of that and what you're yeah. doing now. Well, I did. So I, you know, I ended up in a magazine. First I was in the art business, which was wild. I have some stories in the book about Yes. celebrities and things that happened in that business at Christie's. Wait, who was, was it? Not uh, Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. Tupac. Yes. Tupac. Most For some beautiful model. man. Like I've a seen. model, a model oh, party. Christy Turlington. Yeah. Yes. It was for me who like went from the stacks of a library in New Hampshire to all, you know, out of college, a couple of years out of college, ending up at Christie's auction house, like kicking Tupac out of the bathroom. And, you know, Christy Turlington and all the fabulous models of the 90s, I was in heaven. But, I, you know, I, I did some messy things like get married early because I thought I was what I was supposed to do yeah. and get divorced and all those stuff. I ended up in the magazine business and that led to, I, I kind of, I really did my best to work my way through that, which was not very welcoming to me, of course. Mm. They would say to me, I couldn't be a reporter or a journalist because I couldn't be objective because I wasn't white. Oh, stop. Seriously? Yes. And ask anybody in the business back then, this was the 90s, that was absolutely the way things were. Things started changing slowly, but then the internet happened and started destroying magazines. So I wrote my first book and ended up promoting it on television and boom, within a year after getting laid off from Money Magazine, I had my own TV show, daily TV show, and I had a toddler. Oh my gosh. And I was remarried. And that was just wild. And I never want to go back (laughs) because I survived. That was, uh, yeah, that was intense times, but it was a very fulfilling job in many ways, but the most difficult time of my life for sure. That's a lot. That's a lot of inputs <laughs> to manage. It was a lot of inputs. However, because I ended up in finance, because my stepfather, who he was, you know, my, my Chinese father was literally a gangster. And my stepfather was, you know, economics from Columbia, you know, in the tech business early up there in Massachusetts. So I was surrounded by Wall Street Journal and Wall Street Week with Luke Kaiser and all that. So I learned all of that through him being a woman of color in that space at that time, that was some trailblazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was able to build an incredible consulting and speaking business and all of that and, and, and writing through that. But one thing I have to say is a lot of people say, you know, oh, but yeah, your stepfather and the money stuff that really, really helps you. And I have to say, building my business was very much about Poppy Wong. Like he, he taught me like how multiple income streams and and how to really keep things moving. All of those parents, all of them really kind of shaped how I managed my career for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing now then? Are you going to write another book after this? And like, what's your ambition and all that? Like, 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, thankfully I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing, writing. This book was a huge dream of mine and it took, you know, five years from first proposal to fruition. And all I wanted was a hardcover, which that I got, but I got a great deal. Paperback comes out this summer and the Spanish language version is out. Yay. So yes, I'm working on my next book and I'm excited to say that it involves an incredible story of an incredible couple a Holocaust survivor and the first black woman to own a news network in the country. <laughs> 63 years married. Gloria Steinem will be writing the foreword. Wow. And they were leaders in the feminist movement, the abortion movement. And he was Shirley Chisholm's campaign manager. Wow. So this is an incredible love story, a story of resilience. And I just want to write these stories that we don't hear enough. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more stars of American history that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be yep. telling their stories. Amazing. Abortion played a big role in your unlocking clues and stuff to your own history. So interesting to keep it sort of coursing through. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Serendipity, one of my favorite words. Yes, exactly. Do you make time to read these days? I mean, I know we talked all about yourselves. <laughs> But, uh, the shelves. Yes, I'm a book collector. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you read, oh. what like what's your go-to? What like what's your go-to genre oh. or your favorite things to read or whatever? You know what I've been reading now? I go through phases and right now I'm really into one of my favorites is sci-fi. Mm. That's one of my old favorites. Like my brother and I, our favorite book was Dune. Um, we were mm-hmm. such nerds. And now in the Ted Huang's like anthology, I'm looking forward to a couple of other sci-fi anthologies. I just got Philip K. Dick's anthology. I love reading women of color for sure because we haven't heard enough. But right now in this moment, you're talking to me, that's where I'm at. I think okay. it's just pure escapism. And I think sometimes it's nice to revisit. Philip yeah. K. Dick, I've read for decades, but it's just, I hadn't read him in a while. And I want to go back there. Amazing. Yeah. Well, quite a story. I mean, from your, you know, getting pulled over with your family for looking Puerto Rican or whatever, and that crazy scene when you were in New Hampshire, to just mm-hmm. like being a total badass today. I mean, it's just amazing. The whole trajectory is so cool. And I really enjoyed the read and getting to know you through the book, but also just today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sibi. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love being on with book lovers. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye, Carmen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.